The following morning, Lucius returned to the house of Valens and reported to Servius the steward. Servius escorted him to the atrium, then through another curtained exit in the opposite direction from the tablinum. As they walked, Servius pointed out the slave's washroom, lavatory and dormitory, where he was told to deposit his small sack of personal belongings. This part of the house was very plain and gloomy, with low ceilings. After passing a number of storerooms, they eventually arrived at the kitchen, where Lucius was introduced to the head cook, a large man with wild hair called Otho. Lucius was issued with a grubby apron and told to help with the preparations for the afternoon's banquet. The kitchen was dark, hot and filled with greasy smoke. The slaves working there seemed a cheerful crew, yelling jokes and banter at each other while working hard at their tasks, making pastry, grinding spices, stirring sauces in pots over a red-hot charcoal stove, or turning a huge boar on a spit over a fire. Otho set Lucius to work chopping parsnips, onion and garlic. Every now and then there would be a delivery of fresh fish and seafood from the harbour, or meat and poultry from nearby farms. This was usually the cue for a general gossip with the delivery man plied with questions by the kitchen slaves. During one of these interludes, Lucius learned that the Aqua Augusta, the aqueduct that supplied fresh water to the Bay of Neapolis, had mysteriously slowed to a trickle in some of the towns west of Pompeii. Dogs, cats and other animals had been seen that morning leaving Herculaneum and farmers had reported seeing giants on the lower slopes of Vesuvius. These tales provoked laughter among the slaves, but Lucius listened with fascination. He was reminded of the strange prophecy he'd heard the previous day from that little girl Atia. The banquet began at Ora Duodecima as the sun was sinking across the Bay of Neapolis. Aura Duodecima, the twelfth hour. The length of the Roman hour varied with the seasons, but the twelfth hour of the day was always the last hour of daylight. Before commencing his serving duties, Lucius washed off the grease and sweat of his labours in the kitchen and changed into a fresh white tunic. He and four other slaves entered the triclinium, dining room, bearing trays containing the first course. Jellyfish and eggs, sea urchins with spices, oil and egg sauce, raw vegetables, sow's udders stuffed with milk and eggs, and boiled tree fungi with peppery fish sauce. The room was long and narrow, with a row of windows at the far end opening onto one side of the peristyle that Lucius had seen the day before. Three long couches were arranged in a U-shape around a row of low tables on which the food was placed. Valens reclined on the couch at the far end of the room at the base of the U, giving him a good view of all his guests. He nodded and smiled at Lucius as he reached to take a sea urchin. Placed near Valens was a large, important-looking man with several chins. He was wearing a very shiny white toga, usually a sign of a man seeking public office. Two other men were engaged in a fierce argument, and the attention of the room was mostly fixed on them. One, whom the others called Crispus, had sharp rat-like features and a narrow beard that jutted from his chin like the battering ram of a warship. 
He enjoyed stabbing the air with his finger as he made his points. The other, named Belisianus, had a broad red face and eyes that flashed with anger whenever the other man spoke. Among the guests, Lucius counted just two women. He also spotted a young man, and, with a shock of recognition, he saw that this was Eprius, the youth he and Quinn had saved from the bullies two days ago. The wound to his cheek was still visible as a thin, dark line. Lucius had little chance to wonder what business the boy might have in such elevated company, for Servius was signalling to him from the doorway to return to the kitchen.